This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to uh, the official podcast of Project Sanctus with Love and Justice for All. I'm Reverend Kelly Isla. I'm here with my partner in crime consciousness and co-creation, Reverend Ogan. How are you doing? I am doing well. Streaming to you from uh, Casablanca. I am back on my uh, Morocco leg of my nomad life and here to spend a couple months uh, with one of my partners who lives here and um, off the top, yes, I was here for the earthquake. Fortunately, uh, the earthquake happened um, a little southwest of Marrakesh, which is about 150 miles, if I do my math correctly, um, from where I am. Mm. And so there was no damage done here in Casablanca. Um, I was awake when it happened. We did feel tremors all the way over here. Uh, wow. the, building, the, the building shook for a little bit um, and I wouldn't call myself an earthquake veteran but this is the third earthquake that I've been feeling that I felt the tremors for interestingly enough the worst one happened when I was in Brooklyn a few years ago and like it was bad enough that we called asked out of the apartment building like we were wow not, yeah it was it was something um, this one didn't feel so bad and it lasted a few seconds and nothing compared to what folks in Marrakesh and some of the outlying towns um, that that way are experiencing. As we know, the death toll is well over 2,000 right now. And it's three. three. Oh, it hit three? Oh, I've not been keeping yeah. up. Um, uh, well, I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, so it's been... Um, King here announced three days national morning. I think we're on day three right now. Um, and it's, yeah, the mood, the mood in this normally loud, vibrant, crazy city is very subdued um, as far away as it is. Because every, you know, people here have got folks they know in Marrakesh. Uh, right. Um, uh, my partner has uh, some friends and family. Fortunately, none of them have, uh, all of them are okay. Um, yeah. As far as she knows, she hasn't lost anyone, um, but some of her work colleagues have, and it's just, it's it's very surreal. And I got here Thursday, and what, what was it, Friday night, Saturday night that this happened? I've lost track. It was Friday night um, that this happened. So, or maybe it was Saturday night. I am sorry. It's, <laughs> I've only <laughs> just gotten over the jet lag. Yeah. So, um, having trouble keeping up with the days now still, but it's. It, uh, yeah, it's a little surreal. It is a little surreal to be here when um, all this is going on. So um, just holding, yeah, and they're, holding, they're, go ahead. They're, whole, they're not, uh, the Moroccan government is not taking aid from other countries that are equipped to deal with this kind of disaster. And that's um, disconcerting. Um, not not entirely. They have accepted help from a, a couple of individual countries I think that they're more closely allied with but yes they're being very choosy and also they're being very very slow to respond to some of the smallest I know most outlying villages Marrakesh is getting a lot of attention um I am sure because it is you know basically the economic and tourist center of right. uh, Morocco um, but um, the people who live there are no more important than those who live in the outlying villages. And yep. yeah, some of those folks haven't seen any kind of relief effort yet. I know. No water, no food, no. Yeah. Yeah. And can't get to them. 
Exactly. Um, yeah. So anyway, just, you know, hold, holding everybody in, you know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of hearing thoughts and prayers and, you know, from where I sit, that's about the extent of what I can do, except, you know, find the right places for donations because they're yes. going to need, you know, they're going to need it. Yes, so. yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So this is, uh, as I said, this with Love and Justice for All, uh, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, and the special challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. And sometimes even, at, you know, whole communities, not just individuals. <clears throat> As always, we want to thank our listeners and our subscribers. Um, we have many here in the United States, at least 45 out of 50 of the states, um, more than 24 countries around the world, like Morocco, um, Germany, Sweden, Australia, Canada, India, Singapore, um, uh, just, and that's always, that's, it always tickles me, even if, even if what we're talking about is not necessarily, you know, uplifting and inspiring, uh, it always tickles me that there's people around the world listening. If you want to join even, in our conversation, go ahead. I was going to was gonna say, even if it's the same 10 people that keep traveling to all these different countries, at least they're taking Could us be. with them. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. I don't have any way of knowing if it's one person who's globe hopping. Um, I like exactly. to think it's not, but if it is, I'm glad they're taking us with them. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. If you want to join in our conversation right now, it is Tuesday, September 12th, and we're live streaming to Facebook. So you can always join there live um, or listen to whenever. And our, you can also um, connect with us on Instagram. And our handle on both platforms is Get Our Holy On, at Get Our Holy On. And we also have a phone number. You can leave a message. It's 413-438-4659, which is in letters is 413-GET-HOLY. There we go. On today's episode, oh, before I jump into today's episode, um, just a quick reminder that our ongoing affinity groups are meeting online. Um, these are safe, space, safe spaces on Zoom where... Um, all bodies can come and have discussion around current events uh, through a lens of embodied anti-racism. Our next gathering is next Wednesday. Um, so depending on what you, when you're listening to this, it might be this Wednesday, uh, but it is the 20th, yeah. September, September 20th, because we meet every first and third Wednesday. So September 20th at 7.30 p.m., which is really going to be fun for me here in Morocco, because that's going to be uh, 12.30 a.m on Thursday morning, but I'll be okay. <laughs> Done it before. Yes. I'll, 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 I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Have a little coffee. Uh, Have a little yeah. espresso. <laughs> a little espresso. Uh, there yeah. is good coffee here in Morocco. Um, yeah, so sure. uh, please join us. Visit uh, projectsignus.com to get more information about uh, how to sign up for that so you can get the Zoom link if you haven't done this before. And also at projectsignus.com, you can leave some donations uh, for us to uh, help keep the train on the tracks. Um, today's episode, uh, we're actually going to be talking about grief um, and grief through the lens. No, talking about grief um, while existing in this world where we tend to all be influenced by what we like to call the three big systems of oppression, white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism. Um, the reason we're talking about grief today is uh, for for a few reasons, um, you know, we um, I'm in a place where there's uh, a national collective grief going on. Uh, in the U.S., we just had a collective memorial around national grief as it relates to uh, 9/11. Um, so that happened. Um, I know if she'd like to speak on it, uh, Reverend Kelly's got some personal grief going on in her life and. The both of us, well, we just been grieving dead people for years. So we've, we've got that going on. Hold on. <laughs> just but, the way you said it, it's like, oh, by the way, you know. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, know, you know, I know. There's 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 very specific and then very non-specific reasons for us to be talking about grief. Yeah. Um, yep. but but as we do, um grieving, grieving is um, it's a different experience depending on the extent to which 
any one of us, any one of you listening, um, are oppressed by one of these or all three of these systems of oppression. So um, I think sometimes we don't often realize how much these systems of oppression just affect what we do from day to day. And grieving is one of those things where I think uh, all of us can relate to. We've all experienced it. We've all had losses, small and big, um, near and far. And I think that it's important to have conversations around not just grief itself, um, but around how we are impacted by the systems of oppression that affect the way we grieve, that affect what we believe about the way we should be grieving or shouldn't be grieving. All these things play all these things play a part. So, so we're gonna we're gonna break down uh, some of that today. And of course, as always, we'd love to hear from you. So, as you listen to this and and resonate with some of the things that we say, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, Kelly shared I can get in contact with us at the at the top of the podcast. But also know you can email us. Um, I'm Ogan at projectsanctus.com. She's Kelly at projectsanctus.com. Uh, and we would love to hear about your own experiences and how these things uh, relate to you. Well, I was going to say uh, I wanted to start with the the nine eleven because I because I think it 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 it's a good place to in terms of grieving, but within those you know patriarchy, um, capitalism, sure. uh, but, you know within systems of oppression. Go ahead. Well, I was going to even take it a step back and just briefly touch on grief itself, because I think I think it might behoove at least you and I to share when we say grief, what what are we thinking about, right? Because everybody seems to have this idea of what grief means and maybe yeah. delineated from mourning and bereavement, you know, and things like that. So I think for me, grief grief is that process whereby we come to um an acceptance of our loss, an acceptance of who we are after the loss, um, and an acceptance of how we continue to live with that loss. And, and for me, the, under, the, the important word there is, is, is acceptance. Um, and yeah. that means acceptance of what arises emotionally, what comes up, um, what we're called to do differently, um, how we feel moment to moment. It's um, that's that's for me when I when I when I speak of grief. That's that's kind of the framework um, I'm coming from, and how we how we express all those things. So we express who we are post loss. How we express who's um, how we say. Um, there's a there's an interesting um, quote that I. Um, came across just today and I put it on on my web on my web page because of all the of all the things that I also do grief counselor is one of them and it occurred to me today this is funny it occurred to me today that I assumed everybody knew that about me and I didn't even have like a page on my own website around oh. grief counseling so I thought you know I mean, maybe I should put that maybe I should add that don't just don't make the yeah. assumption right yeah. um um, but this quote is interesting. It's by an author her name is Victoria Alexander, and she writes, uh, and this is a line from one of the novels because she's a fiction writer. There are three needs of the griever to find the words for the loss, to say the words aloud, and to know that the words have been heard. Mm. When I read say that, that I saying, say there are three, three needs of the griever to find the words for the loss, to say the words aloud and to know the words have been heard. And, yeah. you know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this about the quote one there. Yes. There are some things that we just can't articulate with words. Um, and at the same time, I think finding the words for the loss is, is again, how I come to that place of acceptance. I don't even say understand it because there's, I mean, there's some things about the losses that I've suffered that I need. I can't begin to comprehend how, why, right. where, what, when. But um, for me to be able to at least have a place of even silent articulation or understanding um, um, is, is an important need and continues to be an important 
mean for me? And then to be able to speak that out into the world and to others and then connect with others around the loss and around how I feel and how I have changed and how I have been defined by the loss. Um, so so I love I love this quote. And I think it's yeah, it, it speaks a lot uh, to that. Well, I uh, I could say ditto. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it's it's interesting that you said grief, bereavement, and did you say lamenting? Morning, morning, yeah, yes. Um, and it's interesting because they're not; they're actually not the same thing. And, no, they're not. Um, you know, and one of the things about so if I take the word bereave, like bereavement, the the root of the word means to take away. So you know, to be robbed, right? Mm -hmm. So bereaving when I'm, you know, the bereavement is um, in those moments when, you know, it, this person has been taken away, you know, or the job or the relationship, you know, but I'm, I'm kind of staying in the place of people, you know, death of people, because that's kind of where things are at for me right now. But to, to, I mean, there have been multiple times where I have this sense that that's just the best way to describe what I'm feeling in a moment that Frank has been robbed. You know, I can't, um, you know, I, and it pisses me off when people go, well, he's still with you. Yeah, got it. But he's not here. <laughs> you know, he's not physically in front of me. I can't continue this relationship, this love, the way it's been. It, it has to transform, I don't have to, but it transforms into something else, into a different journey, right? And building a new relationship with the absence of the physical being. So there are these moments of bereavement where it's, I've been robbed, something's been taken from me. Um, and then, uh, you know, grief is more of a, is, is I think for me is this lifelong journey with that. Um, yeah. You know, just, uh, you know, it, and it's different every day. Uh, and sometimes it's very intense and sometimes it's not. Uh, sometimes I'm very much at peace with the loss. Sometimes I'm not. Um, you know, when it, when something really, really good happens, I, you know, I, I get hooked. Or when something really horrid happens, because I can't, I can't rush to my beloved and say, you know, hey. Um, and it's. It also grief has a a, um, a collective feel to it. Yes. You know, I don't. I think bereavement. You know, when you have you know that being robbed or something taken from you is more personal. You know, more individual. Yes. Um, but grief is very collective. You know, and mourning is is for me. Um, I know we can go to you know Webster's dictionary, but mourning is the activity, like the outward manifestation of my grief, of my bereavement, of, you know, the lamenting, um, which we don't do in, in, you know, white folks don't do lamenting. Um, no. Uh, what now we do I'm, is now I'm getting going into, the, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what, what we do is we, we invade other countries when we are right. <laughs> yes. actively lament. Well, that's very so true. Was, we work out, so, we project our, our stuff. Yes. You know, I how let me take over this colonize right this other yes. group of people this place, um, so then I'll feel better, which is just you know. Ugh. Um, that was your segue to nine eleven, by the way. I, I yes, I got that. I, I actually, okay. <laughs> I actually could pick up on that. So what I so what I wanted to say is about nine eleven is which you know, yesterday was honestly I don't even what twenty two years. And I think um, one of the things that, that I've come to understand and that I've come to that's, that is one of these both and things, and it has, you know, certainly has tension that lives within me is that, um, you know, that I'm, I don't want to take away from how horrific and heartbreaking that was and is, you know, still for people. And yet, I we I think there also needs to be you know the attention around how horrific and heartbreaking this legacy of slavery, right? That that I think it's another kind of ground zero, 
you know, where there is grieving and there are wounds and there is bereavement. And, you know, um, we, uh, um, I mean, how many millions uh, of Americans have been, you know, harassed and killed and incarcerated? Um, it just, you know, I, I beyond just, you know, the events of 9-11. And I think it's in, you know, within the context of, of, of our systems of oppression here in the U.S., it's time that we start acknowledging um, you know, the people of Arab and South Asian descent that have been, you know, killed, that have been, you know, hunted, that have been, um, you know, uh, ostracized and excluded, you know, families that have been torn apart because of immigration policies, you know, mass incarceration, um, all of the black and brown communities that have been targeted, um, you know, it, it just, uh, it's this never, you know, it, it, this never-ending grief and death and loss that we don't, you know, when when is there, it's another 9-11, it's another ground zero. It's, um, you know, what about the millions of um, indigenous people that, you know, that we killed and take their land and, and there's never a, you know, that's another ground zero that we don't ever acknowledge. And it's because it's, wrapped up in this, you know, legacy of separation and supremacy and scarcity. Um, so that's I don't what know, I, you know, I don't know that we don't acknowledge it. Um, I think it's being acknowledged. I think what where the real continual harm is that it's being acknowledged, but with a almost like a shrug of like, well, that happened so long ago. Yeah. None of the people right. who are responsible for it are still around. So there's really nothing we can do about it. Right. or should do about it that was way in the past and that i mean it's categorically not true that it was way in the past uh you know last episode i think then we i think we talked about march in washington we talked about the death of emmett till which again didn't happen that long ago right yeah. um we we um and it's not true to say that that nothing can be done about it if people are willing to have honest, open conversations about what reparations can look like. It involves many things. We, we, we see a trickle of, of um, Indigenous peoples um, being having their land restored to them, but it's a trickle. We've seen a right. trickle of that happening with African-Americans as well, Black folk in American stands, which is stolen from them. Um, but again, just, just the trickle. and. Am I suggesting that we just give land back? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Actually, we are. <laughs> yes. Actually, we are. Um, there's there's that in my in my home country of Barbados. I just, just read a story about um, um, there's a there's a British organization made up of people who um, acknowledge their ancestors' role in um, the slave trade in Barbados and are working to establish organizations in Barbados to, to help um, with education and even in some cases, yes, give back parcels of land that are still owned by these British families hundreds of years later. So, so there's, there's, there's ways for that um, as, as well. And, but when we talk about collective grief under these systems of oppression, so like there, these are great examples where we have, you know, all three of them, but I would say in this case, really white supremacy and capitalism saying to the collective grief of indigenous peoples and the descendants of African slaves. Um, too bad, so sad, but we maybe can't exploit your labor as much as we used to, but you sure as hell ain't getting the land back because that has value, <laughs> right? So. Right. So um, not 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 acknowledging that the that the wounds, as you were saying, right. from from the horrors that happened decades or even centuries ago, still play a part in the daily lives of, of peoples, or to not acknowledge the policies that are still in place that right. stems from those oppressive systems that um, not just hurt people but 
kind of sort of kill people, right? So there's there's that aspect of it. I mean, think of how capitalism is set up so that, you know, labor, the, I mean, at the root of capitalism is labor, exploitation of labor, yeah. right? Which is why it is still a system of oppression. And generally those who are oppressed under capitalism are the poor, which generally tend to be um, people of color. Right. And, um, and that's not by accident. That's how the system was set up. And we have people who just grind and toil, grind and toil, grind and toil, and die early deaths as a result. So capitalism literally kills people. And then the people around them, it's like, depending on where you are and what job you have, you can't take enough time off to properly grieve and mourn your, your lost one, your loved one because you got to get back to work in a hurry. Uh, you might be the sole breadwinner in your family. And yeah, so it's, we are, we are, we are in this system that is, that both kills us. And then in many ways does not provide the space for us to really, for many of us to truly grieve and, and allow well, for a- there's we we have you know there's all these rituals and ceremonies to in this case to commemorate the memory of you know almost three thousand people that you know were lost on 9-11 um you know people gather at their firehouses and churches in parks in you know in many places to acknowledge to commemorate their memory and i don't want that to go away my my beef, I guess, is that we don't ever stop, uh, you know, and uh, to remember the millions of indigenous lives that were sacrificed for the colonizer. Um, There's no holiday that reflects how many Muslims um, were killed in the war on terror, the supposedly war on on terror. And, um, you know, the millions of, um, um, uh, you know, Arab and South Asian descent, there's just not... Yeah, and they won't be because because that will, I guess, uh, force the country to be uh, to acknowledge its complicitness in those crimes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I know. So that can happen. I just wanted to call it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because yeah. the it's the it's how we remember it. If you you know think about it, the the politics of of memory and remembrance and commemorating is really told by people that benefit from it. So, um, you know, I just want a broader audience to understand, you know, you know, expand the memory, right? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, was there more 9-11 that you wanted to? No, I just wanted to, to, because it, because it, you know, it's the kind of thing that um, uh, it's the, that event is a, is a good example of, you know, of, encapsulating that the patriarchy, capitalism and white supremacy. And again, I'm not suggesting not commemorating and not honoring, it's just, you know, expanding the view of how we look at it. And what about this group of people? And what about the, you know, all the, the you know, groups of people that we've colonized and oppressed yeah. and murdered and, and, and. So, uh, yes. you know, and, and, and part of the, I think, us not um, having truly a good handle on as a collective nationally around grieving and mourning, uh, you know, is what led to uh, the, the retribution of invading the other countries. Uh, yes. Yeah. There, you know, the, the we, we call it justice but it really was retribution. And of right. course, you know, we invaded a country that really had, as we would find out, directly nothing to do with, with the event. Um, and thanks to the American war machine, um, many people made many billions of dollars um, from war. War is a very profitable enterprise. Yes, um, it is. Yes, and it is. So, so when we speak about, you know, again, connecting capitalism and, and our grief, you know, it's been responsible in that way for many deaths, for, for many people having to be in that space of grief and loss. Um, 
to, to line the pockets of, of many people. And I don't know that even at this point, as we look back, I don't know how many people would agree that, you know, going to war with Iraq, invading Iraq, invading Afghanistan was yes. was the right thing to do. Because where where are we now with that, right? Right. Just, right. You know, and you know, we're in an endless cycle of violence, is what we're in. We 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 are. And notably we yeah. recently withdrew from Afghanistan and turned it back over to Taliban. And that's been a whole mess. It was right. it was like all of that was for, for nothing. Um, yep. and and when we are in I mean, I think it's a cautionary tale for us as individuals when we in that place of deep hurt and, and woundedness and we get stuck in our anger around it, then we don't make the best choices. Um, and we seek blame, we seek uh, vengeance, we seek retribution, and right. where we get stuck in the anger, which gets us stuck in life, gets us stuck for moving forward and slowly, I think, you know, anger is that, is that poison <laughs> that just affects everything. Yeah. Poor choices. That reminds me of, speaking of that, I want to, I want to segue to that, to that quote that I made a comment on recently that's generated a lot of discussion in among some unity and you thought, uh, folk, uh, there was a quote from unity's, uh, co-founder Charles Fillmore, um, and, and, Reverend Kelly and I are ordained unity ministers. And the quote was, you can quickly be released from the prison of pain or grief if you will sing and praise and pray. And let me read that again. You can quickly be released from the prison of pain or grief if you will sing and praise and pray. So the quote was posted without any real context. And um, I, took, I took umbrage to it. Really? Um, I'm shocked. <laughs> As, as I as I do so much umbrage, somebody actually in a comment was like, "Are you still in unity? Do you still belong to unity?" <laughs> it's like, no, not really. Know? I mean, so my hey, thought for- my thought was when I saw it, I'm like, "What a load of crap!" <laughs> <laughs> so my 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 whole thing is again again, re- regardless of the context of which it was stated, what is always the thing I always have to say to people is. We always have to be careful of one, how things are taught. This statement standing on its own, it's like a poster statement for spiritual bypassing. And two, I, I really take umbrage to the quickly release from prison. Um, right. And I have to say, listen, yeah. grief is grief is not a prison. Yes, grief is right. painful, but it's not a it's not a prison. It's not a thing to escape from. <laughs> no. It is, uh, I'll, I'll read what I wrote. It's a deeply emotional and at times painful process of navigating loss, and it can be a lengthy journey. And while we don't want to be stuck in the most debilitating periods of it, it can't be rushed. As it unfolds in its own time, often we need the help of others. Yes, we can experience moments, even seasons of joy and pleasure during our most intense times of grief, but that doesn't mean our grieving is done such as the both and complexity and nuance of healing from loss. And for the most part, it was, it, you know, my, my commentary on that quote uh, got a lot of response. And I also spoke about the, uh, the need to be able to um, not just take for granted everything the founders have said. Like we get, to, we get to question, we get to criticize. If we don't, then we are becoming a cult. Not becoming. Well, but listen, no, no, hang on, hang on. I'm, I'm, I, I'm still part of Unity, and I was able to comment and criticize and question and get a lot of support. And no one's taking away my Unity credential tomorrow, right? So or I'm kicking out the movement. So so we're not a we're not a cult. But if we, I know. I'm but Jesus. listen, some of the responses were cult like. I'll say yes. I'll say that. Yes. There was yes. there was some rush defense to the to the to the quote. But yeah, we're not we're not a and I and I think when we look at sometimes, you know, circle back to 9-11 again, the retribution, the sense of vengeance, I 
I think a lot of times those acts are meant to be an effort to release us from the pain, to say like, we're doing something about this. You know, we were attacked and, and we have to, and again, this is a nice patriarchal influence. We were attacked, we can't appear to be emasculated. We can't appear to be soft. We have to strike back. So we just spent how many years and how many billions of dollars and most importantly, how many lives trying to strike back, do something to release ourselves from this, from this quote unquote prison of, of, right. of grief and pain. Um, I don't know, maybe we should have suggested some singing and praying and praising and see how that works. Well, you know, the other thing about that quote is it's also out of context. So what did he say before it and what did he say after it? Oh, did you look it up? Because I didn't want to work that hard. Did you did you oh, look it up? I didn't I, look it up. I, no, actually I did not. Um, but I certainly can. Um, but it's but you know, it, it's just like reading scripture, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's proof texting. Right. Um what came before and you know what came after, which won't necessarily change, you know, what um uh you know. Sure. The that it's spiritual bypassing, but if if it's taken in a you know it could be taken in a context of you know when I can get stuck in in you know challenge and I can get stuck um, that I can take a moment and sing you know just to to unstuck the energy not to get away from not to spiritual bypass but to to move the energy through the body. So what was the quote again? You can quickly be released. I'm looking it up from the prison yeah. of pain. We're doing a real time. We're doing real time work here, folks, because right. we we were <laughs> we didn't do it before. Right. <sighs> I know. So this comes from the Healing Power of Joy book, the Healing Power of Joy. Well, and... that Fillmore didn't write that. Oh, who wrote that? The, the well, it was it was a, if. Well, I, I mean, he didn't write. He didn't write a lot of books. He, a lot of stuff he said and letters yeah. were, co were collected. Were collected. But I, but I think in if you you know if we you know when you look at like I said like scripture, what was said before and what was said after, because mm -hmm. often a, a a quote can be taken out of scripture, especially when it comes to you know to grief, to sadness, to loss. Um, you know, pulling find find something about joy you know we got to say something about joy or you know or acceptance or you know something to change the mind right something to right. um to not feel the way you're feeling um which you know is the antithesis of grief it's the antithesis exactly. of of um you know of bereavement of mourning so i am um, so anyway, so that's what comes to mind when and and it happens a lot when people make these little memes of of quotes, you know, there's not a, a context for it. And what, you know, so you so you think you understand what the person said. And so which actually the irony of that is if I come back to your other quote of, you know, there aren't words and then finding the words and then, you know, was I heard that the a similar kind of thing. Like if I don't have words for my grief or what's happening around me, I think we're, we too often, um, and this is a, this would be a, um, you know, spiritual bypassing or uncomfortable. This, this would fall under the, the umbrella of white body supremacy, cultural norms. Like I need to say something or do something to get you out of what you're feeling you know, yes. to get you out of, to make you feel better, to, you know, to, you know, that right to comfort. And very often it's, I'm the one that's not comfortable with your grief. So I got to find something to, you know, to change it all. Um, and, and this erroneous belief that, that if I'm feeling pain, I must be thinking something or, you know, something's amiss rather than, opening to the idea that everything's welcome at the table, which, uh, you know, brings me to, so the, you know, that idea of mourning, you know, when I look mm -hmm. at, at white folks and I look at, at uh, people of color, there's very different ways of mourning. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like white folks haven't given themselves permission to, you know, to lament, to really mourn, to like wail, 
you know, wailing and grieving and, and physically, you know, um, expressing like just, you know, whether it's with well, guttural I mean, um, expressions gotta, or song. We, we, we have to remain civilized and observe decorum, <laughs> right? That's Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a thing that's been, um, and it's, and it's interesting because again, little segue here we see we see decorum being weaponized in places like a lot of state houses right now right um we're 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 the we're the justins again um tennessee the tennessee state courthouse yep where whereby the rules of decorum are being used to silence them um but but this idea of of not the idea of not being emotionally expressive not given in to the emotions is has often been used as like this 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 benchmark this this this, this uh, border what's the word distinguishing between the civilized and the savage right the savage gives into their emotions and, you know right. the indigenous people the African slaves they gave into their emotions and they're these people they don't they don't have the intellect to uh, maintain themselves in a proper way, in a proper fashion, um, and that and that gets passed down. That gets passed down. Yeah. Um, it's it's and and also internalized because it's fascinating going to a funeral in Barbados, for example. Barbados was a British colony for I don't know who long. So you go to uh, well, I do know how long. I can look that up. We got independence in 1966, <laughs> but it's been a while. It's been a, it was a while. But to go to a funeral in Barbados is this is kind of this like hybrid of decorum and, and expressiveness. So I remember yeah. when like my grandmother died and, uh, and my grandfather as well. We had we had two services for each of them. The first one was at their like um, family neighborhood church, the village church, which was small. And, and there was there was singing and like people are beat tambourines and the band's going and it's just like yes people are crying and, uh, but mostly it was just like this this joyful yeah. acknowledgement of celebration life and then we go to the parish church where the graveyard is which is an Anglican church which yeah. is, you know um, and and there's a lot of formality and some pomp and circumstance and decorum. We're all suddenly quiet and reserved um, as we sing hymns out of the hymnal and read Bible passages and there's an order of service and all these things. Yeah. Then we go to the gravesite and as the coffin is being lowered, the wailing is coming back and mm-hmm. and and the, you know, so it's it was a very bizarre journey <laughs> of like you know, seeing seeing where the influence, uh, you know, the indigenous influence and the colonial influence are kind of meeting each other head to head, right? In, in, in this place, and you know, uh, we, we've come. I think we've come to a place where we don't know any different right now because it's all we've known, right? Yeah. The hybrid of these two things, and and yes, folks, folks in indigenous communities are now beginning to. And when I say indigenous, I, I, I guess I should say original, uh, you know, looking, looking back to what did our ancestors do? How did our ancestors honor life and death? How did our ancestors celebrate life and death and mourning and, and grief and bereavement and, and to reinstitute some of those practices um, and, and slowly, you know, come away from the colonial mindset of decorum and yeah and, and, well, and, and almost yeah and manners and yes. well how often do you you know how often are we around someone who you know is is you're in a conversation or in whatever kind of experience and they're starting to get emotional and you could see the you know the tears are kind of welling up in their eyes and the first words out of their mouth is sorry yeah you know sorry for and i'm like you know, ugh, it's such a, um, it's a whiteness thing, like to apologize and, for. Yeah. And it's also a patriarchy thing, yes. especially with men, because we are, we are not supposed to be the ones who cry. You know, we, we are still, 
we're, we've internalized the men don't cry thing. We have right. to be strong. We have to be, you know, we got to be the rock. Um, and if we're crying in public, that means we, we're getting too emotional. Like, like you well, women who cry, who cry at the drop of a hat and get all hysterical right, about stuff. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> damned if you're a man, damned if you're a woman, you know, and anything exactly. in between, it's just not exactly. okay, which is crap. Exactly. exactly. Right. So that's, that's the patriarchy's influence. Um, yeah. um, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at how we grieve and you know, if there's any, if there's any place of come in my grief journey is that I, I'm, I no longer try to withhold, uh, try to squash my tears when they start to arise. I don't right. care where I am. I'd be, if I got to cry, I'd be crying. Right. And, and, and it's the thing, uh, you've heard me talk about, you've heard me talk about, especially those few early years after uh, Jennifer died in 2015 about crying at the gym, right? Because weight, weight lifting really was that embodied exercise that got got me down yeah. into my body and yeah. I'm a planet fitness suddenly just losing my shit and wailing and crying hard yeah. on, on a workout bench, getting all kinds of strange looks, mind you, <laughs> but, but, but realizing like, yeah. Okay. Can, can we normalize crying in public? Can we normalize yeah. people mourning and bereaving and grieving and wailing um, in, in public and collectively hold space for them as they as they're doing it and somehow send that message that that is that it's okay and if we're the ones doing it don't feel embarrassed and don't feel the need to apologize um for it and also don't wait till we're by ourselves to do it as well because that's the other thing right we, we tend to also wait till we get up get by ourselves so yeah. no one can see us and then we cry yeah. and then all we're doing is making this this connection between isolated and grief Yep. Um, and feel like we now can't be out amongst the people when we're grieving. Um, well, because exactly we have the this place we need to be. Yeah, but because we have this unconscious, unexamined belief that if I express my my grief, if I be upset and I wail, you know, whatever, however I'm mourning, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. And I think we need to stop caring about that. Like back, um, back to that white supremacy norm of, of the right to yeah. comfort. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, Yeah, let's get uncomfortable. Let's let's get let's get messy with our grief. Uh, well, that's why grief. it's actually why I like the word lament and lamenting mm. because you don't hear the word very often, and when you do, you you know where where people often go is they think about you know, the wailing and the loud, you know, some guttural sounds or, you know, just from the gut, like that instinct, instinctual, animalistic, just let whatever's deep in out. And it may yeah. or may not be actual words, you know, um, but, you know, but wailing, like there's a, like you said at the gym, it's the same idea, you know, it's, it's engaging the body because, that's where trauma lives is in the central nervous system. It lives in the yes. body. So being able to connect to the body and bring it up and out so that the body is not a prison, right? Yes. So bringing it up and out and it, frankly, fuck everybody around you. It's, it's also a way to like, we have to do it collectively to get, you know, for people to get uncomfortable, to learn that they don't need to be uncomfortable, but somebody has to, you know, we have to be doing it, you know, not wait for the other guy to, to publicly lament. But like you said, at the gym, you just, you know, you just do it. Um, and whatever people are thinking is whatever they think. And um, I, I would venture a guess that anybody that saw you at the gym um, and thought, whoa, like what's going on? I, I would venture a guess they're probably not going to forget that day anytime soon. Or if they do, I don't care. <laughs> No, I know, but I just mean in terms of it just, you know, it's kind of thought provoking and it's something that, that someone could potentially carry with them to sure. maybe somewhere down the road, you know, giving themselves permission. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is, what you're saying is by me making an emotional public mess of myself, I was an inspiration. Thank you. I think so. All right. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. Okay. <laughs> You know, the, 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 the other thing that, that 
you know, kind of got us on this road today was I was, um, and you mentioned it at, at the beginning about, you know, grief going on in my own life and um, kind of in part how we landed uh, on this topic today was uh, about a week and a half ago, I, I lost a, a friend. Um, she, she died unexpectedly. And as I was talking to, you know, about her um, to a few people and kind of who she, she is in my life is I'm, a, a a single woman that doesn't have children and and she was a, also a single woman that didn't have children and it's really fascinating and at times really hard to walk through this world here in mm -hmm. the US here in our society as a single woman that doesn't have children like it's not mm -hmm. okay which then makes it even harder to grieve um, because then you hear people go, oh, she didn't, you know, thank God she didn't have children. You know, well, what does that mean? You know, like not realizing or, that, or, I mean, I understand the intention, but. Yeah. Or sometimes, or sometimes the, the, she didn't have children. Her legacy's done. Like her life is done. There's no, yes. There's, there's yeah. No one, she didn't leave anyone behind. So it, right. it, it's like it's like compounding it's like a compounding loss to us because that person didn't have right. kids. Like something right. went wrong with something went wrong with them for some reason. Yeah. And it and it I don't know that people think about it, you know, or pay attention to well, I, I'm not, I know, I know people don't necessarily think about what they say or how they say it when they're with someone, you know, that's grieving. Um right. And it, it just makes me think of, you know, when she was alive, you know, in my own life, that it's so unconscious and, and people are so don't pay attention to what they say and how they say it about, you know, a single woman not having children. I mean, if you're 30 and you're single and don't have children, that's fine. But if you're 50 and you're single and don't have children, well, you know, you must have done something wrong along the way. Like you don't fit, you don't fit the 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 narrative um so yeah. so then when it comes to to death and dying and loss and grieving that that comes up um and unexpectedly right like i yeah. just i didn't it came it, for me it came up unexpectedly because i just i don't have a lot of women in my life that are single around my age don't have children but i didn't you know it just really it it hit me hard because I realized some things I was hearing, you know, like you said, mm. the whole legacy thing, which then when you hear that kind of stuff, then it, then it comes back to me. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to get to the end of my life and have nothing to show for it. Cause I wasn't married and I don't have children, which mm. I don't need help getting depressed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the message. It, it is, it is a message, which is a horrible message because, because you've, of all the you you've contributed so much to this world, uh, no, and, and I again let let you take the inspiration compliment now. You know, in your in your in your teaching, your writing, your speaking, like all all the things that you that you've done to you know to imply that the only reason that a woman again is of that that comment is a as a woman your only value is popping out children and right you know. Right. Tip of the tip of the tip of the hat to patriarchy again doing its thing, um, and then and then also how it shows up again is like let's say you had children, especially if they were younger children, and that expectancy yeah. that in the midst of your grief, your bereavement, your mourning, you still do all the things. Right? Yes. Yeah, you're still expected to. Yeah. Ex exactly. Ex exactly. So 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 there's that too as well. So, you know, damned if you do, damned if you if you don't. Oh, by the way, I finally just saw the Barbie movie. Oh, oh. <laughs> I just finally did. Took took a took a while. But um yeah, I finally just saw the Barbie movie. And you know, there was there's a little speech by uh monologue. Is that the right word? By uh America Ferrer when she talks yeah. about it's 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 impossible to be a woman. Right. Yeah. And and I remember when the Barbie movie first came out and people were watching that first week and like how many women on social media were like, when I heard this, I was in tears when yeah. I, you know, and how this just like hit 
hit home. So it was, yeah, again, not of the hats of patriarchy for that. So I guess the invitation we, we have for you this week is, is first, don't, don't be in a hurry to run away from grief. <laughs> Embrace the journey that it takes you on. But as you're on this journey, can you be mindful of, of how these systems of oppression are influencing your, your grief journey? Well, any journey in your life, really. We're speaking specifically around grief today. And notice the way notice the way it shows up because then how we begin to to shift the culture from supremacy patriarchy capitalistic culture is is by grieving differently grieving authentically yeah. grieving in yep. in a raw way crying loud in public don't be in a rush to go back to work or if you you right. know I know some people don't don't have that luxury or that privilege to go I need more right. time off uh you know and if you don't then really consider making a big fuss about it at your job <laughs> to go like yeah. this is this is intolerable um draw draw attention and noise to it um, and it's and you know the the overarching like thing is carving time you know out of the time in your day for mourning you know for grieving for you know creating a little yeah. ritual, you know, so, so I get that, um, you know, some people may get stuck in terms of, okay, we'll give you three days off for your father's funeral, you know, and yeah. you're like, mm, make a fuss at work, you know, like push there. We're so afraid we're going to, you know, and if that doesn't work, then, you know, look at how you invest your time when you're not at work and be sure to, it comes back to that, you know, rest, restore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A year, a year, a year after a profound loss, and there's a resurgence of grief as happens with anniversaries. Yeah. Yep. Is is do you work somewhere that will give you time for that? Oh, I bet right. a many a lot of places don't. Um, right. I was I was very fortunate that um, at, at at the time of Jennifer's death, I I was working for a church that was compassionate enough to give me time off right. at the anniversary, and I think. <laughs> I, Listen, it's a, it's a thin line between the compassion of them giving me time off and them realizing he's going to say something he's going to regret if we don't give him this time off. Because I was not I was not doing well. So they're like, yeah. uh, we, need, we need to protect us from him and we need to protect him from him. Right. Because he's not okay. So good yeah. for them for recognizing that, uh, you know, and going like, all right, you, you need a little more time. You need time off again. And because of that, I... I could, I could do my job, I think, much better than if I hadn't taken that time off a year later. Um, right. And again, yeah, let us let us recognize that not everyone has that or in, uh, is in a place of privilege with their work around around that. And not to the self-employed folks who also believe that I can't take time off from my self-employment because, you know, right. especially if you're a contract worker, if I don't work, I don't eat. I don't get money, right. and so I can't afford to do that. You know, again, how then? How do you, how do you carve out time? Because you have to, otherwise, it's just it's just gonna explode later, and we don't. Well, it's but yeah, it. you're because you're you're building a new relationship with grief, uh, and with and yourself I, and the rest and of the world. Yourself. Yeah, yeah, and have to be willing to let go of how you've done things and and pay attention to to what you say and, and, you know, how you say it when you're talking about yourself as if there's, you know, you know, like just yesterday, I heard a woman who, you know, her husband died three months ago and I can hear her saying things, you know, and this is going on and still this, and I'm looking forward to when, you know, and it was just some of the phrases I'm like, yeah, there's no destination here and there's no right. time frame, you know. I refer to it as, you know, healing at the speed of Kelly. Yeah, yeah. There's no time there, frame. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, there's no time frame. But we do have a time frame for this podcast. We, we do. Keep, we can't keep talking <laughs> without end. We do, we do need to wrap up. Um, so yeah, uh, we I could, but I don't sorry, think it would. would. I, I, yeah, we could, but I don't think it would go over well. No, 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 it wouldn't. <laughs> uh, plus, I just. You know, I just realized uh, it, it's it's seven o'clock here in Morocco, and I haven't had dinner yet. Um, oh, because, yeah. Because in my brain, in my brain, in my brain, I'm thinking 
oh, it's it's afternoon because we record our podcast usually in the afternoon. No, it's not. <laughs> no. Just, well, it's, it's a little after one o'clock here and I haven't had lunch. So yeah, yeah. This whole this whole time difference thing, you know, when when you get past <laughs> listen, when you get past a two hour time difference, it really, it really does a number yes. on you. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm usually on the East Coast and so now I'm five hours ahead of East Coast, six hours ahead of where you are. It's yeah, my whole day is just all messed up. You'll get there. No worries. Well, I, well, I, I've been waking up, texting yeah. people. I'm like, why are they not getting back to me? It's been like three hours. Oh, that's right. They're still sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It takes, it takes a minute. Uh, but, uh, so, again, um, as you listen to this and you've had your own experiences and journeys with grief, uh, we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts and comments. Uh, shoot us up on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, get our holy on, call us again. In the voicemail, 413-GET-HOLY or 413-438-4659. Tell your friends about the podcast in this episode if you've got some friends who are on the grief journey. They can find us on all the podcast platforms or if they don't know what a podcast is, on the old school interwebs at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. So until we meet again. Let's get our holy on. <laughs>